Hello, baby. Want a kiss? Welcome to the Experimental Film Podcast with your host, Ken Hess. Teaching a parakeet to talk is fun, but the old method took too much time and patience. This record is specially designed to teach any healthy, normal parakeet to talk by using a scientific new method that is acknowledged to be far superior because a carefully trained voice, specially chosen for excellence in clarity and diction, repeats over and 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 over the same words, the same phrase, in a manner that most parakeets are most likely to imitate. Check experimentalfilm.info for information, interviews, and episodes. For the next few seconds, this record will be silent. This podcast is dedicated exclusively to experimental film and its makers. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 10 of the Experimental Film Podcast. Today's guest is filmmaker and photographer Kai Lindzian. Kai, welcome to the Experimental Film Podcast. Hi, thank you very much. I appreciate it. No problem. So let's have you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your work. Yeah. So um, I, you know, I, I've been doing film and photography for a long time at this point, um, probably about 10 years. I went to school for uh, film, you know, and photography. Um, I really enjoyed uh, just, you know, creating and uh, storytelling. And I'm, I'm a very visual person. So, you know, photography and cinematography really, really just um, stood out to me when I was younger. I I also really enjoy the aspects of sound and incorporating, you know, sound into my films. So whenever I, you know, when I was really young, I, I, I made these soundscapes on it, like GarageBand. It would be like bombers, uh, World War II bombers bombing uh, uh, a city just through soundscapes and creating stories through sounds. And, um, you know, at a very young age, I, I really figured out the, the power of, of, of storytelling. And, you know, I'm really excited to just move forward with um, creating new and unique stories. Very cool. It sounds like you had a destiny early on. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. I, uh, you know, I really, I loved, um, I, I really loved Ringling as well. The, the, it's a very good school in Sarasota, but, um, I, I, it was really there that I, I got my hands-on passion for kind of cinematography anyways. I, I really specialize mostly in, in, um, sound cinematography and, um, editing. <clears throat> Are you from Florida originally? So I grew up in, um, uh, in Orlando in Winter Park and uh, I was there for about maybe 10 years and um, I've been in Asheville uh, ever since ever since very cool I also wised up and came to North Carolina yeah <laughs> and uh, I love it here man it's uh, it's a very cool place it's uh, it's exactly what I was looking for and I hope Asheville yep. was doing the same for you it's it's definitely very different from Florida. I like to tell people that Florida is is kind of like the twilight zone of US. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also came from Twilight Zone 2.0, which is Oklahoma, so uh yeah. You know. Anyway, <laughs> I, th I think we I think we're on the same page with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell me, you have been very busy lately with a particular project that you're working on i want i want you to spring the story on everyone so i'm just gonna let you go ahead and tell us about it sure um i mean like i was telling you a little bit um 
I've been working pretty hard on um, uh, this gallery that I am kind of showcasing. It, it opens up tomorrow, but it's 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 solely on kind of racial justice and equity. Um, I've I've worked really hard at kind of showcasing that, um, but you know some of these photos that are in the gallery are from just my travels through kind of different experiences i went to selma the 50th anniversary of the uh, bloody sunday march and um you know i took a lot of photos there that were just really really powerful i mean there were 20,000 people that showed up for this um and part part of the reason that i even got into filmmaking and got into um, just doing what I do is because I wanted to bring new stories and and bring elements of um, just uh, racial justice and work, but also, you know, just different aspects of that. Uh, part of my senior thesis, for example, was um, a, a racial profiling story that I, I kind of wanted to showcase. But, um, you know, getting back on it, I, I yeah, I basically have a gallery kind of showing and I'm really excited that it's going to be showcasing to the public. Now, is this just uh, photographs or is it sound? Is it film? So it's... Um, so it, it is actually in collaboration with another artist who is a um, painter, um, but she it, it, it's kind of a collaboration of photography in my part and um, paintings. And I also there's a there's a video playing as well um, of the other artist and me interviewing, getting interviewed and just kind of telling, you know, the story behind the artwork and what went into it and, you know, what kind of we hope that people will take away from, from it. <laughs> and where is the gallery so that people can show up? So the exact gallery is at the Presbyterian church in downtown Asheville. The, um, see if I have one of the flyers around, but, uh, it's, it, it's basically right across from TD bank. The people that know Asheville pretty well, or, uh, it's, it, it's, it's the open space gallery on Oak street. Oh, very cool. Downtown Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. Yep. Well, I tell you what, I take my wife to the airport in Raleigh on Saturday. I may just, uh, keep going for a little while and, and come by. Cause man, I'd, I'd really love to see that. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very interested in, um, you know, I, I would just love to see it just because. <laughs> yeah, it's a very, it's a very, you know, it's. Uh, I like to tell people it's not really a a, a feel good gallery, but it's a very important gallery, and um, I'm I'm not not really excited, but I'm hopeful to be showing it to people, and um, you know, it's going to be up all month, so I'm 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 really hoping that people take take a lot away from it. Yeah, that's very cool. I. Um... I'm, like I said, I'm I'm really interested in in going to it and seeing it, but I'm I'm wondering if it's going to be an emotional thing for a lot of people. Have you I mean, had I, Have you had that reaction? You know, I have actually. I I even when I was just creating it. So I you know originally through the process of getting the photos developed and printed and um, uh, framed. You know, a couple of these photos are 38 by 42. And, um, you know, when I was going to pick up the bigger prints, once they told me that they got done, I I almost broke down in tears just because it was so overwhelming seeing, um, you know, this the, 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 one of the photos 
it's the thousands of people. I mean, it goes on for about four blocks. You just see beautiful faces of a, of a diverse crowd, all for a specific cause, and it's so beautiful to see. And you know, I've I've had that reaction. I, I the pastor that is, um, you know, the head of the church that it's at, currently at. She, her name is Kim, and she, um, you know, I put up the, I, I, I stayed up all night one night putting up all the photos, and she came up to me the next morning and just said, I, I walked by this gallery, and I went into our, our main chamber, and I just broke down in tears because of how powerful it was just to see that work and for it to be here and to, uh, for it to be in this place. And, you know, I very much respected that, and I, that's come from a couple people as well so i'm i'm really thinking it is going to be an emotional time um i also kind of went through the process of of creating a very um kind of emotional playlist that is going to go along with it i mean with songs like strange fruit um and uh just a lot of different you know martin luther king's speeches are in a couple of um them but it's his playlist it's also very emotional so i i think it's going to be a place of uh reflectance for sure yeah, that's good. I like that. I'm I'm sad that you have to do it, but I'm glad that you're doing it. I'm, and I'm I'm proud of you for for really taking a step out and doing this. Yeah, absolutely. So, let's change gears for a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, tell the audience how we connected was through the Experimental Film Fest, mm-hmm. and you submitted a film called Residue. To yes. the film festival. Uh, tell us a little bit about Residue and its inspirations, and you know, without giving everything away about it, I guess. Uh, yeah. Discuss the topic a, a little bit. So Residue is really uh, kind of starting off, it, you know, because I don't want to give it away or kind of what happens, but it, it, it's this film very much about addiction and very much about the horrors of um, addiction and what that can do uh it's in developing it i really kind of was pondering the fact of what would it be like in the mindset of an addict who is 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 physically and mentally trapped in a space and that was kind of where that started from i you know like i said i'm a very um visual person and i'm i am attuned to to sound a lot and in developing the story more and more i realized the theme was this constant loop of terror and 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 very much playing into addiction being a constant loop it played very well with that and i um you know we we played a lot with with sounds and sound design and we kind of came across uh the shepherd's tone which for people that don't know it's basically like a, a barber shop pole of sound where it looks like it's constantly going up or down, but it's actually just kind of a trick to your mind. Um, so, you know, the shepherd's tone can go up, but it can also go down. And it's building this constant, constant tension and this constant, constant um, theme of, of worry. And we played with that. So basically throughout the entire film, um, it's it's this constant buildup of 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 sounds and 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 an emotion and story and i think it really comes to a, a climactic end as i'm sure you know um but you know it, in developing it it, it it came from a lot of you know personal stories of people my my mom is actually uh um a pretty 
a well-known drug and alcohol counselor and um, addiction specialist. And, you know, she really helped also develop the realistic side of the story and, 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 and coming with, you know, how would actual people addicted to meth behave and act and want and even though it's a story that somewhat turns into uh, somewhat of a psychological aspect, the the realistic like kind of speech and and communication is is the necessary parts that came from her. Yeah, you know, I think I don't know if there's any person in this country out of 330 million people who haven't been touched in some way by addiction, either mm-hmm. directly or a family member or, you know, but I, I would, I would bet money on the fact that everybody in this country has been touched in some way by addiction. Yep. Absolutely. So your mother is a, a drug and alcohol counselor. Did it, um, I mean, a lot of your work, it seems is emotionally wrenching. Is that on purpose or are you, uh, what kind of a message are you sending or at least um, working toward? So I'm really just, you know, I, I, I find the that especially in story that the not the more intense a story is, but the more realistic and and grounded to real problems a story is, the more people connect with it. Um, I, I was heavily inspired by uh, Requiem for a Dream and, um, you know, stories like, like train spotting and, and even elements of Breaking Bad where, you know, the, the themes are very, very um, intense subjects. And, and it's kind of the display in which they are presented is really that's where the bar is for me and so i I really aim to create pieces that um bring up conversations and bring up uh, you know i i i remember the first time that residue premiered anywhere and the exact audience reaction to the climax of of it and 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 then immediately after when the credits rolled just this this wave of silence this 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 deep stressing moment where people finally breathe out and it was kind of universal and that's and that's exactly what I was going for you know I it was this story of built up stress and emotion and I I, I find that that is the best kind of way to um, you know get a story across and and especially doing it in new ways um, the editing style you know I, I I edited and and wrote residue i mean i had a a co-writer as well but um the editing process was uh a bit i felt almost like i was one of the characters kind of losing my mind a little bit (laughs) because of just the the chops you know a lot of people probably haven't seen um you know seen it but uh as you know it's very uh choppy in editing style um very a lot of uh juxtaposed images very quickly flashed before your eyes so um yeah in a lot of ways i i was almost losing my mind a little bit while (laughs) editing it (laughs) well it's very effective i really like the film um i'm hoping the other judges do as well because i'd like to see it screened at the festival and we'll we'll see what happens (laughs) absolutely but um you know, since you're a photographer and filmmaker, I'm going to make a suggestion to you, and especially since you're, you know, focusing right now on, on racial 
uh, justice or actually injustice. Um, I came from Tulsa, Oklahoma to, when I moved here to, to uh, North Carolina, and Tulsa was the site, and you probably know this, of the world's worst race massacre in history. Yep. Um, you know, in 1921 there, and it's, you know, I think it's right around the uh, century mark for that, and they've been talking about it for years, and now they're trying to find the graves, and it's it's pretty emotional, but I think it would be, if you could get a grant to do it, or, or even if you, I guess, finance it yourself or get some um, sponsors mm-hmm. to go there and do a photographic essay and maybe a bit of a documentary on what happened. Because I, I think there's a few in the works, but I don't know how many of them are actually being followed up on for sure. Yeah. But, um, you know, there was kind of a, a version of it in the very first uh, episode of The Watchmen. Yeah. In that series. So uh, they they start it with that race massacre there. And I don't I don't know. I I've walked around that whole area in downtown Tulsa and I just don't think people can get a feel. Yeah. For, for what, for what was, happened. Yeah. For what happened Absolutely. and for what was there. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's significant, man. I mean, uh, I you know, if you talk about an emotional roller coaster, it's it's shocking to think that, you know, in a matter of hours, um, you know, all this horrible stuff took place and it was just a, anyway, I don't want to get into it, but, but it's, you know, it's there for, for people to, to learn about. And I think that would be a great, you know, another photographic essay and, and documentary yeah, opportunity absolutely. for you. Yeah. And I, and I really, I, I like, you know, I don't want to say enjoy because enjoy is, is not the right word, but those type of events are essential to to do that with especially and so i that is definitely something i will look look at for sure yeah so um ringling college of arts and design Mm -hmm. what what inspired you to go there except that you grew up in florida so i yeah i mean originally when i was looking at schools um i was looking all over the place i was looking at kind of what the best option would be um and a a large part as well of where i was looking is you know i i grew up with a single mom um so financially that that played a, a big role in where i was possibly be able to go which is unfortunate but that's what i was kind of looking at um but, you know, I was touring around kind of the best schools and, you know, Ringling is is, is pretty top rated as far as um, the film department. And I, I, I went down there and just kind of got a tour and um, the director of the uh, film department really gave me a personal tour and, and, and just showed me the um, really hands-on learning that they do there. And uh, yeah, it turned out to be a, a pretty great school. Yeah, that's very cool. I wish I could have gone to film school or or uh, gotten more into you know photography and and things like that when I was in college. Unfortunately, even even the career choice I made wasn't satisfactory to my family. Which you know I I want everyone out there to know it's your life. You only get one, so go and do what you want to do. Don't absolutely. Don't, don't do what your family wants you to do. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the truth, and 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 very much like, I'm glad I did that as, as well. It, it it granted very expensive piece of paper, I yeah. will say, <laughs> yeah, but definitely for sure. uh, um, it, worth it as far as just the learning and 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 experiences, you know. 
Yeah. You're listening to the Experimental Film Podcast with Ken Hess. And now, back to the show. Well, um, so which do you enjoy more? And this may be a tough question, film or photography? You know, that is kind of a tough question, but it's almost one in the same. Uh, uh, You know, photography is just a a frame of film. You know, film is just a bunch of moving images. So, you know, when when you're thinking of um, the mise-en-scene of a, of a, of a scene or of anything, it's really just creating a a still out of all of these other frames. Um, I I think some of the best, you know, cinematographers, some of the best directors are ones that you can really take any, any still, and it could be its own picture and it could be its own piece of art. You know, you look at some of Roger Deakins work. Uh, it, it's really just incredible to see the natural lighting used and, and how literally any one of anything you could you could take just a frame and, and, and you could hang it up in a museum somewhere. And I, you know, I, 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 I hope that one day that could be, you know, some of my work as well. Um, so I guess to answer your question, I. It's it's a, a very equal, very equally loved for yeah. different reasons. You know, I for I like the aspect of being a fly on the wall with photography and being able to capture a moment and then allowing the viewer to maybe dis- distinguish what they think is going on. Um, and and that's really the difference between the two is that one is a moving medium while the other is 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 still. But I you know I love them both equally. You know, it's weird because one of the very first documentaries I ever remember seeing, and I believe it was something by Ken Burns, mm-hmm. and he just did it with photographs, but he moved yeah. the camera, you know, he panned the camera and zoomed the camera. Yeah, absolutely. And it was like, I I was shocked afterwards to find out that it wasn't a film. It was basically him filming photographs. So, yeah. you know, it, it is true that, uh, you know, a photograph is a like a single frame, but, you know, it can be made, uh, you know, much more dynamic like that. So I, I think that's, you know, especially those giant photographs of yours, that would be something to explore. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. That whole, the, I mean, Ken Burns it revolutionized that whole, that's that's why that there's that style of, of documentary work of just like the moving photograph um and 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 how much that just brought it to life you know and um yeah absolutely so are you also an experimental photographer you know i i i guess maybe not as much so i guess i i I do a lot with photography you know I, i i i love doing portrait work i love doing environmental portraits of people in their and 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 some of their possessions and stuff like that i i i really love landscape work i really love animal photography i love nature photography i love i i just love shooting i love documentary you know shooting i i I constantly i have a very broad portfolio with my photography anyways just because i i just always have a camera on me and i'm always taking photos you know are you a street photographer yeah, I very I, I I would say I I definitely am a street photographer in a way. I I I love um you know doing a lot. Some of the pieces that are actually in the gallery as well are 
local um, homeless musicians um, around the Asheville area and anybody that's uh, been into the Asheville area or been around the Asheville area long enough knows uh, a, a guy's name of Bobby Sachs and he's like the one and only saxophone player that's always, always playing downtown. Um, and I, I, I managed to snap a really quick, uh, beautiful portrait of him. Um, and hopefully he'll actually be playing outside the gallery as well. Oh, that's really neat. I like that. Yeah. You yeah. should, uh, you should see if he can, you know, you can kind of book him for it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That really would be great. Very guy. Cool. I love the saxophone. I, I used to play the saxophone myself. I was an alto sax player. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 w- I, I never really got into the, uh, horned or anything kind of instruments. I, I, I stick to piano myself. Oh yeah. Very cool. So do you, uh, speaking of that, do you write your own, um, soundscapes for your films? Yeah. So like I was kind of mentioning, especially for residue, um, the whole aspect of sound was, was so important. And so, especially for when, even when we were writing it, we were listening to the, uh, uh, downward shepherd's tone, this dark shepherd's tone that literally just sounds like you're descending into like a hellish landscape. Um, but I, you know, I took, I took those elements and I brought them into, um, Ableton and I, and I started messing around and, and creating this, this build and, and it, and it started as something small, but then I, I, I realized I was like, well, you know what, why not just have this constant build go out through the entire film until the climax, um, to constantly keep the audience on edge and to constantly have this tension build throughout the entire story and so I, I i slowly started developing this sound design and 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 these this score into it and then i you know i i did have a composer kind of mess around with some elements of it but um you know i worked very closely with him on um making something that is kind of the best i really i really do find it essential to create my own basis for the sound and the score and then to have somebody else kind of get a new fresh set of ears and um just on it i feel like that's a very essential thing for even editing or anything it's just like you know you you have a lot of people being a a one one man band um but i feel like the collaboration aspect for just anything and getting it done relies on other people on so many other people as well you know what i mean very true. Yeah. In fact, I've always said that just having one other person to collaborate on something ma- makes it more than twice as good as it would have been. Right. So um, who are your inspirations in your photography and filmmaking? So, I mean, like I like I said um, uh, really earlier, as far as um, cinematography anyways, um, I Roger Deakins is like the top, top of the top. I, I, I listen to a lot of his podcasts. I really respect him as a, as a cinematographer, just because he, he, his work with natural lighting is, is some of the best just ever. Um, it's really something to learn from. I, I, I highly recommend people. And and I mean, people in, in any aspect of, of filmmaking, even if you're a production design or if you're and anything, listen to a few of his podcasts because he kind of goes over um, 
just every aspect. And I, I really love Roger Deakins. I love, um, you know, as far as directors, uh, you know, Wes Anderson, I really, uh, um, I, I, I really love the styles of the kind of simple styles of Wes Anderson. Um, you know, Grand Budapest Hotel is one of my more favorite, uh, movies ever. But, uh, and then, you know, classics, of course, like Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino. Uh, I love Christopher Nolan as well for a lot of his work with time and scoring. Um, Hans Zimmer, uh, you know, is legendary and kind of pairing up with him. But, you know, def- definitely all, all the tops. Steven Spielberg, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, of course, um, you know, Stanley Kubrick. I, 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 I take from the top for sure. I just the best of the best yeah i agree it's kind of funny how many people mention christopher nolan mm-hmm. um, especially experimental film fanatics uh, yeah are very into christopher nolan they're also into david lynch yeah and, and um and you know i'd have to agree and and also quentin tarantino because his you know that bizarre non-linear style right he, right you know he kind of he kind of circles back to things. It's it's kind of interesting how he does that. But, you know, um, certainly those are some good inspirations. Um, so tell me, other than the gallery, what are you working on right now, if you can tell us? So I'm, I, I, I'm, there's a few things in the works. Um, I, I don't know if I can speak to uh, their series, hopefully on uh, Netflix and HBO. Um, you know, I, I, and I'm just a part of these. These aren't anything I'm directing. I'm just kind of being a part as far as the crew. But uh, it's it's talking a little bit about prison reform. Um, and it's uh, a person who went through the system and was there for a very long time and is trying to kind of reform, uh, you know, just speak to prison reform and how much needs to be done. Um, that's one of the one of the projects I'm working on. I, I, I am also personally trying to direct my own short film again as well um, that I didn't get to complete in school actually raced uh, based on racial uh, kind of pro- profiling um, kind of police profiling and you know when I was in Sarasota Ringling is right next to a predominantly African-American low-income community and for a year uh, that I was there I lived in in that area because you know I, I like I mentioned before financially I couldn't afford the money to live on campus and so you know I lived in this uh, community and the stigmatisms and stereotypes of literally just crossing the railroad tracks um, were really just unbelievable I I got pulled over a total of five times for absolutely nothing. Um, and one of those times I, you know, I, I got pulled over and this cop was behind me for a, a, a long time. And I, I you know, I, I didn't do anything wrong, but I was starting to, I was like, Oh God, what did I, what did I do? <laughs> um, and then it was at that point that um, four more cop cars came around and they all started shining their flashlights at me and were asking, they were like, uh, is this your car? Uh, do you have any weapons in the car? Um, 
you know, and just stuff like that. And I, I was just coming home. I was just coming home from cl- class. I was coming home from campus, which was a block away and was just trying to get home. But, um, you know, that was part of the inspiration for my the film that I'm trying to now uh, raise money for, actually. Um, but it's called Profiled. And, um, yeah, it's it's based on police profiling. But it 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 attests to what if what if that got what if that got physical and what if that situation escalated in a way of and 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 it's more of an isolated situation where it's just one cop and one person um but it's you know based on racial profiling and you know when 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 i'm talking to we were in the process of casting uh earlier this year and you know i i had a an officer come in that wanted to play the role of the actual cop. And he literally was like, you know, I have done this before. I have been that cop. I have, I, I working the same areas and working this, and this is a white officer as well, but he was like, I worked special units. I did all this and I very much have done this before and literally racially profiled somebody. And, you know, he literally was fitting the part perfectly because he has lived it before, but it's a very important conversation. And this was, I mean, originally when I was planning on filming this, this was, um, in like early 2020, um, like before the pandemic and before, you know, before George Floyd and before, um, and it's, it's just such an intense and important conversation that needs to be kind of said. Um, but you know, I, I won't spoil it at all, but it, it, it ends in a way that's, um, different than you'd think too. So, you know, I, and that's something I'm really looking forward to. And I'm currently in the process of trying to raise money for. Oh, very cool. Well, I hope it's successful, man. I'm, I'd be interested in seeing that because, um, I grew up in a small town in Texas and you didn't really have to be, um, you know, even challenged by a police officer to be profiled. Cause, um, my best friend when I was a little kid was this little, um, my best friend and sorry, his nickname was cannonball because his dad said when he was born, his head looked like a cannonball. (laughs) So cannonball and I would, you know, I was six and he was five and we would walk around town and pick up pop bottles, you know, soda pop bottles and they were worth a nickel each. And we would gather up soda pop bottles and go and sell them. And then we would buy candy Mm -hmm. and we went to this, one store, well, he, we went to this one store where we sold the, the pop bottles and he bought some candy and he had it in a little bag. And we walked across the street to this other store where I wanted to get, cause they had this rainbow bubble gum in a package, you know, and I wanted that. So we went over there with my money and we bought that. And the guy at the counter, and I, I still see the guy as plain as day. And I mean, I was six mm-hmm. years old. And he challenged Cannonball. He said, so what have you got in your bag? And he opened right. his bag and showed him, you know, and he said, where'd you get that? And I said, we've been picking up pop bottles, you know, and he, he gave him the third degree about this. And I went home and told my mom and she called, yeah. she called that guy at that. It's a JRB was the name of the um, store. 
Mm-hmm. And she called that guy up. She knew who exactly I was talking about. I said, he's the tall, bald guy with glasses, you know, and she goes, oh, I know who that is. She calls him up <laughs> and cusses him for everything he is worth. And we never, <laughs> we never bought any more groceries or anything else there until JRB yeah. went out of business. I mean, she, oh man. Cause you know, I mean, he's a child. Yeah, absolutely. He was five years and, old. And that, it, yep. And, and, and sadly, you know, that, that, just the the and and it's not even just a, a black and white thing either it's it, it goes on for anything i remember you know you you see a lot of people that think specifically about uh um people that have turbans or or any anything of the sorts that it, it just profiling is something that goes on for a lot of people and it's and it's the whole aspect of just having stigmatisms and ingrained stereotypes um and and asking yourself well why why do i have these and and working towards breaking those or 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 thinking otherwise i mean i i can't count the number of times that somebody has followed me through a store because I, uh, you know, it's raining out and I brought my hoodie or something like that, you know? Um, and it's, you know, that's definitely just one of those conversations that, um, definitely needs to be talked more about. And, and part of my aspirations and dreams with, uh, this film anyways, that, that, you know, shows a little bit more and, and it just allows for that conversation of, you know, and, and it is an uncomfortable conversation to have, but uh, it's one of those that is kind of necessary in order to re- not repair, but move forward and heal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I'm like I said, I'm hoping you're tremendously successful. I'd love to see, um, I'd love to see it really take off. I'd love to see it on Netflix or Hulu or uh, prime. Yeah, Absolutely. So, or all of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so That's the dream. Don't be chintzy with it. Put it everywhere. Yep. <laughs> so, um, tell us, uh, do you have a website or uh, a channel somewhere where people can engage with your work? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is just my name. It's um, www.kylenzion.com. And you can kind of see uh, a few of my videos and, um, you know, some of my photography work and just a, a little bit more about me, just a like general bio. Um, I also, you know, I have an ID. I am. I, oh, my gosh. I <laughs> I am DB. Sorry, I'm spitting here a little bit. <laughs> Um, and that has a little bit of my work as well on there. Um, it has a couple of the wins that residue's gotten as well. Hopefully a couple more, um, you know, knock on wood, but, uh, um, yeah, you can check out my work there. I, um, I have an Instagram as well. It's just Kyle Lindsay on photography. Um, that's all my kind of photography work. I, I've been, I've, I've been doing a lot of, um, mostly like kind of commercial work, especially just like during the pandemic, just to, you know, pay the bills, sadly. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely hoping, uh, to do a lot more kind of personal and more directing work in the near future. So, and very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you weren't all the way on the other side of the state, we could collaborate on something, you know? But, yeah. Uh, 
we're pretty far apart, I guess, maybe four hours or so. I'm not sure yeah. exactly. But uh, yeah. anyway, if you get a chance to come to the Experimental Film Fest, man, I'd love to have you. Maybe have you speak or something when you come. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to make a trip um, over there for sure. I I, um, I was originally thinking that that might be the uh, case because it seems like a, a great festival. It really does. Yeah, it's it's cool. I'm I'm hoping to uh, get a lot of interest and in, and in, you know especially locally and and maybe mm-hmm. even farther out than that. But uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's in September, September 18th. So uh, hopefully everybody can show up. I've had my two shots and I hope to get a booster and you know hey. really get out there. <laughs> so yeah, we're 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 getting there. I'm on my first episode. Very good. Excited for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on today, Kai. I really appreciate it. And like I said, I wish you all the luck in the world. And I'm really going to try to come over to Asheville um, when I drop my wife off on Saturday and, and see if I can come by and check out your work. Yeah, please. I'd love to see you. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's up all uh, month. So at you know any time. Very cool. And thank you for joining us for this 10th episode of Season 2 of the Experimental Film Podcast. Our guest today was filmmaker and photographer Kai Lenzion. Please contact me if you'd like to schedule an interview, sponsor the podcast, or point me to some cool experimental films. And we'll see you next time. If you would like to sponsor a podcast or schedule an interview, send an email to ken at experimentalfilm.info. Thanks for listening to the Experimental Film Podcast with Ken Hess. Thank you.